0: Welcome to St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Saratoga Springs, New York, where we are gathered by God to share the love of Jesus. Today, we take a closer look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here is this week's message on love from Pastor Adam Wiegand. Grace and mercy and peace and love to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit delivers all of those things to you. Amen. I have a number of great significance to show you. What is that number? 50. It is significant to me. Why? Well, yeah, I've turned 50 back in October, and uh, there's a certain significant other in my life uh, whom I love who is turning 50 sometime very soon on the day that we set aside in the calendar about love. St. Valentine's Day. You can wish her a happy birthday if you'd like. However, it's not because of that that I am, pardon me, not because of that that 50 is significant. It's actually because of the Inuit, the number of Inuit words for snow. <laughs> and I understand that out in Boston and Maine and on the island, they experienced 35 of those different kinds of snow just this past yesterday as the Nor'easter came by. You yeah, we do this, right? We have language that describes one, one word to describe many things, like the word love, or 50 words to describe one thing, snow. But there is not just one word to describe love. As a matter of fact, in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, there are four words that describe love, different facets of that jewel, And not only that, there are other words for love in that Greek language that don't appear in the Bible that are also important, but today we're going to look at those four. And so the first one I'd like to point out is this word love. And have any of you ever seen that graphic before? If you were in the 1960s and 70s, you did. All right, this has been on shirts, it's been on stamps, it's in in statues in New York City, It was part of the Museum of Modern Art and it came from this fellow by the name of Robert Indiana. Robert is his given name, his last name was Hughes, but he was from Indiana. Just a little bit about this picture. First, it has three colors in it, very simple. We have Phillips 66 green. (laughs) That's literally why that color is there, is because he loved his father, who worked his entire life for Phillips 66. And so he included that color in there. And then there is Indiana sky blue, because he loves Indiana so much that he was willing to change his name to his home state, and then there's that color red in the middle and red on this. If you go to a color wheel and figure out what this is, it's called Saint Valentine's Red. Saint Valentine's Red. So it's about love, and this love went out there. The Beatles picked up on it. Love, love, love. All you need is love, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are more songs written about love than any other thing, but When it comes down to love, what do we mean? And so let's take a look at some of the words the Bible uses for love. Now, the first time I saw this word, I thought it said storage. That's not love. If you have to put things in storage, there's no love involved in that. It means you're cleaning out or whatever the case is. No, this is storge. Please say that, storge. And storge, I think it's the best way to describe this, is affection or affinity. So if you happen to be a member of a ham radio club or the Porsche Car Club of America, or if you have kids and they have things they do in school, or if you have kids and you like them, guess what you have for them? Storge. It's a thing that looks for common elements. So in a family, the common element is your last name and the fact that you live in the same house, if it's a club, it's something that you like in common. And so Storge talks about how people come together around certain things, and there can be real and genuine love there. But I want to point this out. It's all about exchange. Parents and kids both get something out of that relationship with Storge. People in clubs get something out. There's a giving and taking between the two. Storge is a bi-directional love. It flows both ways, between giver and receiver, and then from receiver back to giver. So that's one kind of love, storge. Then there's this other one. What is this one? Philia, Philia, like Philadelphia. And this has to do with the Greek word philos, which means brother. And so that's why Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love and also of really good cream cheese. So Philia is that kind of love that actually seeks the good of the other while also getting good for themselves it's friendship it's partnerships so imagine a great coworker that you've had somebody that you really appreciate a good neighbor that you actually will are willing to loan your tools to and they'll get them back people that you perhaps had friends from school all those years ago and you still exchange christmas cards this is Philia. There is a partnership that comes from this. It's not just an affinity, it goes beyond that. It's a partnership where both are relying on the other. Again, it's a bi directional seesaw kind of love, each one giving and receiving. Then there's this other one. Let's, this, what's this word? Eros. The best description of Eros is the holy love between husband and wife. Here it is where it's a productive kind of love. And you can see this is a romantic love. This is where you are falling in love. And people who stand at the altar here and declare their love for one another. This is the one that's on their mind. Eros, it's also in their heart and in their souls. And it does join people together. It's it's what allows people to say, I vow myself to you until death parts us. And when death does part us, the loss of that eros is a very big loss. So I want you to not think of eros as just physical love, like the root of the word erotic. No, this is love that goes between husband and wife in a way that allows them to become one. Body, heart, soul, flesh. Got it? Then we have, again, it is a bi-directional seesaw, giver-receiver kind of love. Both give and both receive. And then we get to this fourth kind of love. The first time I saw that, I thought it said agape, but it's not agape, it's agape. You're good Greek scholars. Agape is a different kind of love in that it only seeks the good of the other. It's a one-way kind of love. Agape is a beautiful love. This is the love that says, the building is burning down, my friend is in there, I am going to run in, get them out, and if the building falls on me, well, so be it. This is a self-giving, even self-emptying kind of love. It's beautiful, and clearly, this is church, where it's about Jesus. Of course, the cross is the shape of agape love. Here, Jesus laid aside all of his self-concern. He did not spare his life. The Father did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He loves us. You are loved. I want you, if nothing else comes out of this service today, I want you to know this. You are loved eternally by God. And he has given and continues to give all of his love so that you might have it for no other reason than that you might have and know his love. What a treasure you are in his sight. How precious you are in his sight that he would do all of those things and things even that we will someday come to know that we don't know about now just so that you can have His blessing, so that you can have His joy, His peace. All of it comes out of His agape for you. But here's the problem. We're commanded by God also to have agape. Agape one another as I have agaped you, Jesus says. As I have agaped you, so you also ought to agape one another. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if you're giving and giving and giving to the point of emptying, you're going to run out. And herein lies where the challenge of our human love needs to encounter the blessing of God's divine love. Unless we are connected to God's agape, our agape will falter and fail. Here's a little pastor wedding sermon trick. Since so many people love this passage, and I've preached on it so many times, I think I have mined the snot out of this chapter. I've gotten everything I could possibly get. And here's one thing that an older pastor encouraged me to do. He said, instead of using the word love, Since love is embodied, love always takes a lover and a beloved. It always has a person giving and receiving. Substitute names for the word love. It's a great little trick. We're going to take a look and for a moment pause on all of these things that St. Paul wrote to that church in Corinth to let them know about love. We are overhearers of that conversation. I just want to let you know that the reason that Paul wrote about love was not to celebrate it, but to correct the Corinthians because they were not particularly loving toward one another. Every one of those loves, Storge had failed, Philia had failed, Eros had failed, and Agape had failed. That's why St. Paul starts out this chapter by saying, guys, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. He goes on to say, if I speak in the tongues of men and the angels and I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And you heard him get to the point of all of the things that we can offer. But if I don't have agape, I'm sunk. And then he launches into this. Love is what? Now let's embody it. Is Christ patient with you? Let's embody the agape of Christ. Now ask the question, am I patient with others the way Christ is patient with me? If the answer is no, then what you need, and thanks be to God, what you have is agape from Christ just for this purpose. It's why He came. Not just to love you, but to give you the capacity for love in the form of patience. Let's keep going. Love is... Is God kind to you in Christ Jesus? Yes, and more. Do you agape people the way that Christ agapes you in kindness? If you do, Great, keep striving at it. But if not, if not perfectly like Christ, this is what Christ came to give you, is more agape, to keep you connected to the source of agape so that it wouldn't dead end in you, but extend through you. Love is what? Oh, man. When we look in the mirror and then look around at the Joneses, God is not envious of us. As a matter of fact, He is merciful and compassionate towards us. Embody not envious. How is that show of contentment revealed in your life? Being content is a form of love. It's a form of agape. Not needing to go after what other people have been given, but being thankful for what you have been given. Christ is not envious, but is glad to give everything he has rather than get. If that's where you need to grow, good for you. Christ's willing to help you to grow in that. And we'll go a little quicker now. Love is what? Can we see ourselves embodied in that phrase? How about this one? Can we see ourselves embodied in that phrase? about that one? Hmm. How about this one? So Paul puts it this way, love does not insist on its own way. It's a form of love to be able to look around and say, I don't need that. What do you need? It's a form of agape to put the other person Above yourself, counting others, like Paul said in Philippians, as better than yourselves. How about this one? This is a pandemic sin. (laughs) We're very irritable these days. How about this one? When we look at the past and say, oh, this is not the way it should be, and we look also, we look at rejoicing rightly. What is it that we're taking in through our eyes and ears? what we give our attention to becomes the object of our love. Are those things good and right and noble and pure and true? If not, the Lord is there to help you to rejoice in the truth that's there. How about this one? Bears all things. Next one. How about this one? How about this one? Man, those are four horsemen of the apocalypse sometimes when we look at having to bear and believe and hope and endure in face of horrible news. The way that we look at life, the optimism or pessimism that we carry around can actually be a sign of God's agape in us or not working in us. And then finally we get to this one. Love never ends. We are always, as human beings, going to bump up against the limitations of our humanity. We can only go this far. I can only be this good. I can only do so much. And though we try and ignore those limits sometimes, eventually the limits catch up with us. And so we need to be connected to something that's limitless. And so we are connected by faith to the love of Jesus Christ. We cling to this love. We depend on this love. We rejoice in this love. And we know that without this love, we're going to falter and fail. But as Christ has come to give us love and reminds us that God is love, We tap into a limitless supply that breaks into our limits and breaks through our limits. He says, you can agape one another the way I've agaped you because I have agaped you. And you have my agape. So why not take it out for a test drive? Why not put it to use? Why not give a... uh, Wow, that's an interesting thought. (laughs) I guess the sermon's over now. Uh Why not take it out? Paul finishes up this chapter, and he says, you know, there are these three things, faith and hope and love, but you can finish the phrase, right? The greatest of these is what? Is love. You ever think about why? I have, because I've preached on this thing like almost 80 times. Faith is a tool that we need for this world. As we're reminded in the book of Hebrews, Faith is the assurance of things that we hope for and the confidence of what we cannot see. So we're kind of groping around in the dark, trusting the explanations and the promises that God gives us in his word, but it requires our faith. Fortunately, just like love, faith is a gift of God to us that we can then put to use, taking it out for a test drive, so that when times come that are darker than others, our faith kicks in and says, God, I know that you've got me. And when we face up against the realities of our limitations, we know that Christ is able to bring us to them and and through them, and he inhabits us with love. Hope also is a tool for this world, because hope is the thing that keeps pushing us forward. Right now, we have a partial hope. It's not yet fully fulfilled. Maybe you understand this in terms of a goal something that you haven't yet achieved, but you're working towards. We have the hope of heaven built into us, the hope of fellowship with God built into us. It's right there in our DNA. We have a God-shaped hole within our lives that can only be filled with, with Him. Saint Augustine put it this way, our soul does not find rest until it finds rest in you, O God. So we have this hope that keeps pushing us forward, but when the time comes, that either Christ returns in glory or we go to see him face to face, faith and hope are going to be active. But on that day, they're not needed anymore because we'll see him. We don't need faith. Our eyes will be wide open. And we don't need hope when we see God face to face either because we'll have crossed the finish line. We'll be there. Goal achieved. Celebration begins. But what is it that we have now? that we will take into the casket with us, and into the ground, and from the ground into the resurrection. The greatest of these is love, and specifically agape. This self-giving love that when we are with God face to face, there will be no limitation. There will be no hindrances. There will be no sin, no sickness, no death that tells us, I can't Because Christ has been our all in all, love will be our all in all on the day that we are able to see love face to face, put our fingers in his hands, put our hands in his side, bow down at his feet and say, my Lord and my God, thank you for your love. Why don't we start that since we'll be doing it forever right now. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church, please visit spalutheran.org. God's blessings to you. Go in peace and serve the Lord.